Um, we are talking for the next few weeks about getting dressed. There's an interesting thing in the scriptures where every now and then the Bible will tell you to get dressed in something that's not clothes. Like it's an attitude or an attribute. Even what we talked about last week, put on a person. Um, and so I think that's very interesting because I think for most of us we think like, I am the person I am, and I have this personality that, you know, it's, I was born with it, or I've kind of developed it throughout my life, and so to change, you know, I'm kind of in the hands of fate and maturity and experience, and I hope that I change over time, and I'm working on myself, and then sometimes the Bible says, yeah, why don't you just put that attitude on, like you grab a jacket and put it on, and I think that's really interesting, and so I want to look at some of those, that, that the Bible would say that there are certain attitudes and attributes and traits that you could just grab out of the closet and put on. Like you put on a certain pair of shoes instead of another one. So, okay. First uh, Peter chapter 5. And I still have to do this. Yeah, y'all go ahead and have your little laugh. I couldn't even find the ones I used last week. And luckily, I, uh, Christy Fox told me, look, when you have to get reading glasses, just go on Amazon and order like six of them. And just put them everywhere you're going to be. So there's always some lying about. And they were on the evening. Yeah, they were. Kristen, you're right. Okay, let's get to the Bible, people. First uh, Peter chapter 5. Okay, verse 5. It says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. I, I like this verse for that age. <laughs> <laughs> growing on me. <laughs> In the same way you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. Okay, here we go. All of you, so this is for everybody, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these words. Um, I pray that you would help me to explain this in a way that is simple and clear, um, especially especially in, in the things that you want us to hear today. And I pray for all of us that you give us hearts that are open to receive this. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I do have to pray for a heart that's open to receive this because I'm going to be honest with you, if I was sitting where you were sitting and somebody else were like, let's talk about being humble, I would be like, no pain. I don't want to hear you talk about that. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. Humility sounds a whole lot like the word humiliation. Being humiliated hurts. And they are the same thing. It's the same word. For a second, let's talk about what humility in the scriptures means and what it doesn't mean. Because when I was coming up, whether it was the way my church talked about it or the way I felt about it, whatever. I'm not blame blank. It could have just been me. But I always thought when people talked about, in church especially, from the scriptures, being humble, I always thought that meant... Um, you are supposed to like grovel in your personal unworthiness and just realize and really dig your teeth into your moral inferiority. Just feel bad. You should feel bad and you should feel bad about who you are. That would be like what humility is. And I'm like, who wants that? That sounds terrible. Okay, good news. That's not what this means. Okay? Isn't that good news? That's not what it means. It's not about groveling in your unworthiness or, or really sinking your teeth into your moral inferiority. And let me prove it to you because 
when, when Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up at the proper time. That is the exact same word that Jesus uses about himself. There's only one time in the scriptures where Jesus describes himself and his personality. It's in Matthew chapter 11. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart. So it can't mean to grovel in your unworthiness, because Jesus is the most worthy of all the worthy. He is the worthy one. He's the one who's worthy of worship. He is and was and will forever be Almighty God the Son. It can't be about your unworthiness. Amen? Good news. That's good news number one. It can't be about your moral inferiority, because guess what? Jesus is perfect. So if he describes himself as humble, it can't be about, you should, you're bad and you should feel bad about that. That's not what this is. When Jesus says, I'm gentle and humble in heart, he's referring to the fact that, we talked about this a little bit last week, but when Jesus came here, Almighty God the Son emptied himself of all of the privileges and the trappings of all of his rights and privileges of being Almighty God. He laid down his rights. He took a lowly position. And that's what that word means. To be low. To be lowly. To promote other people. And to not promote yourself. To put other people forward. Let the spotlight shine on somebody else. I'm going to be low and I'm going to raise you up. So that's what it means when Peter says, clothe yourselves with humility. Let me be honest. I still don't want to hear about it. I still don't want to talk. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear about that from anybody. Number one, um, that still doesn't sound very fun. To be lowly and to lower myself, that's, that sounds unfun. Not only that, um, I think I already am humble. So, <laughs> by the way, I think most people kind of do. Actually, I'm kind of caught in this, I'm caught in a cognitive dissonance when I think about this in that, like, if I'm perfectly honest, I think I am humble. And then also, I'm like, I super know I'm not good at being humble. Let me be real honest with y'all, and she gave me permission to share this. Christy and I had this big fight last night. And um, <laughs> I got the green light on this. I got clearance. In fact, it wasn't even my idea. She came up and she said, you need to tell people about <laughs> And the thing is, is, and this is not to brag, but it had been a minute since we had had a big fight. And so we kind of forgot how to do it well. <laughs> And so when I tell you we were like entrenched and defensive and humility flew out the door. And that's after me thinking about it for a whole week. <laughs> that's how bad at this I am. But at the exact same time, we're good now, by the way. So uh, <laughs> y'all chill. Um, but we were. We were defensive and entrenched, and it was hard. We had forgotten how to do that well. And because... Humility sucks. I don't want to do that. I don't want to put that on. That's not the clothes I want to wear. Plus, I think I already am. At the exact same time, like, when I think about the spectrum between pride and humility, and that's the, that's the thing that, that Peter says, you know, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. When I think about that, I'm like, I'm way leaning more towards the humility side. It's like, who looks in the mirror and thinks, yeah, I'm a super prideful person. I mean, like, besides, like, Ric Flair or somebody like that. <laughs> I mean, if your lines are, you know, I'm the Rolex wearing, limousine riding, jet flame, you know, jet flame flying, and I'm having a hard time keeping these alligators down, you know, just great lines. But like, you're not a humble person. 
Or like Muhammad Ali, like if you if your line is, I am the greatest. <laughs> but most people don't look in the mirror like that. Most people think, I'm, I'm, I'm humble. And then, you know, you get entrenched and defensive, and somebody tells you you're wrong about something, and you're like, I'm super dumb. And then you realize that's actually harder than it seems. Here's my deal. I don't want to hear anybody talk about this. But if I do have to hear somebody talk about it, I'm going to hear it from the Apostle Peter. That's the TED Talk that I would listen to on humility. You want to know why? Nobody in the history of ever has ever been dumped on more than Peter. <laughs> like, the greatest selling book, the best selling book of all time, and this dude gets absolutely dunked on all the time. Just put on a poster, kind of dunked on. Like, every time he thought he was something, he had some ideas, and they were amazing, and I'm going to put it out there, and boom, he gets absolutely dunked on. Like, in, uh, so I'll listen to that. Like, in Matthew chapter 16, first time Jesus tells his guys that he's going, they're going to Jerusalem, he's going to be betrayed, He's going to be arrested, he's going to be executed, and then on the third day he'll be risen from the dead. And Peter's like, uh-huh, nope, I got ideas, Jesus, how about that will never happen? And Jesus is like, it's the whole reason I came. It's not like part of the plan, it's the plan. And I just, no, nobody else has ever known this. I've just let you in on the whole plan. And Peter's like, uh-huh, no, I know some stuff, I know, that's never going to happen. And then, you know, Jesus has to say a very unfortunate thing to this dude, which is, hey, uh, get behind me, Satan. Which is like, very few people have actually met Satan. Jesus is one of them. So if he calls you Satan, like, <laughs> he knows. You're like, there's somebody you remind me of right now. And I've tussled with that dude. So chill out, Satan. Like, if Jesus calls you Satan, that's just a <laughs> There's this thing that Jesus used to say. He says it in Matthew 23. He says it in Luke 11. It's this, it's this axiom. It's this, this truth that you can't undo. You can't change. It's, it's as true as the law of gravity, which is, Jesus said, if you humble yourself, you will be what? Remember? Exalted. But if you exalt yourself, you will be what? Humble. In other words, you better humble yourself, or you're going to humble yourself. It's going to happen. This is going, you're going to get love. It's just whether or not you choose it or, you know, you choose it. And so get behind me, Satan. So the, the next chapter, Jesus takes Peter and a couple of the other guys up on a day hike to the 9,000-foot uh, summit of Mount Hermon in Lebanon. It's always snowy up there. It's been a long day hike. The sun's gone down. It's in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, Jesus does this thing, which was amazing, which was, he exploded into his glory, like his heavenly glory that he had from eternity past before he came as a little baby in Bethlehem. I mean, just lit up the night sky from his own personal glory. Like they said, he looked like lightning standing still, which is amazing. Moses and Elijah show up, and they're hanging out with Jesus. It says they were talking to him about his exodus, his departure his death on the cross. And probably because Peter was like, that'll never happen to you. And Jesus was like, I need some cheerleaders. And those guys were like, do what Jesus has got to do because we're in heaven on credit. So like, if you don't do that, you're super kicked out. And so Jesus needed some encouragers. So most, most of Elijah are there. And of course, Peter is still thinking, I'm stopping that Jerusalem plan. And he's like, okay, Jesus, I got an idea. And all the other guys were like, oh, gosh. He's like, I got an idea. I'm going to go get my toolbox. You guys stay here. Keep with the lightning thing. And I'm going to build three sheds. 
<laughs> and we can just stay here. Because I know some stuff. And I mean, and Jesus at this point is just like, I already called to say, what do you want me to do? I mean, like, and I'm guessing that Elijah, like, he rolled his eyes, and he hadn't rolled his eyes like that since like Ahab and Jesus. You know, it's just like, he's like, oh my word. And finally, like, Father God himself speaks into this situation and says, this is my beloved son. Would you listen, please, to him? Don't know. Because if you exalt yourself, you will be humble, darling. They come down from the mountain at a certain point. Some religious leaders spoke to Peter, and they're like, hey, so uh, we hear your teacher doesn't pay the temple tax. And instead of being like, hey, you know, I don't really know what the policy on that is with the king of kings. Can I just go, like, check? And I'll ask, and then I'll find out. Um, and that would be like the humble response. Instead, he's like, oh, yeah, he does. He totally pays. He pays what are you talking about? Jesus pays the temple tax. And later, Peter sees Jesus, and Jesus is like, did you tell them that I paid the temple tax? And he's like, well, I mean, it's just a thought. And he's like, hey, I kind of made the world. So that's not really fan to have to pay that. Um, I'm the son of God. And he's like, oh, yeah, my bad. And he's like, OK, here's what we're going to do. Get your fishing stuff, go down to the water, the first drop your line in, the first fish you catch is going to have a coin in his mouth. That's enough to pay for my tax and yours. Dumped on, but also provided for. <laughs> because the mind that doesn't want to put on humility, the, one of the things that lives in that mind, and I know this from personal experience, is I know some stuff. I know some stuff, and y'all need to hear it. Right? Hey, anybody, wait, hold on. Is anybody that struggles with putting on humility, do you ever think, hey, I know some stuff? <laughs> Okay, don't leave me up here by myself. Um, okay, so I'm thinking about, uh, there's a place in Mark chapter 9. Jesus is, they're, they're walking. Jesus walks faster than everybody. The guys are back behind him on the road. And he hangs out with them later. And he's like, hey, when we were back there on the road and y'all were arguing, and Peter was in this group, he's like, what were y'all arguing about? And somebody was like, Jesus like, sorry, what? We were arguing about him. <coughs> <laughs> and he's like, I still didn't catch that. What were he's like, we were arguing about which one of us is the greatest. <laughs> and so Jesus grabs a little kid, like a little baby. And he's like, look, look at this little kid. Can't, uh, can't solve the calculus problem. Can't reach anything on the highest shelf. Can't do today's wordle. Like, just this little baby. This is the greatest. Next time you have that question, think about this day. Don't think. If you exalt yourself, you will be humble by day. John chapter 13, the last night before Jesus went to the cross, the guys are again somehow arguing about who's the greatest. Um, so much so that they didn't do the common courtesy of washing each other's feet when they came into dinner. So everybody's sitting around this meal with janky feet, you know, and Jesus stands up in the meal, takes off all his clothes. Puts a towel around his waist like a slip, fills a bowl with water, and leans down on the floor and starts washing everybody's feet. And you know everybody was just like, it's sweet, it's tender, it's intimate, but it's embarrassing. It's how did we get here? How could I become this person? How could we argue about this again? And it's silent, and you know it's just intense until Jesus gets to Peter and he grabs one of his feet, and Peter's like, You will never wash my feet. Because there's a thing that lives in the mind of somebody who can't put on humility, which is, 
I know some stuff, and guess what? I'm different than everybody else. So you ain't never washing my feet. You can wet, wash the feet. You're never going to wash my feet, Jesus. Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have anything to do with me. And so instead of saying, okay, wash my feet, he has to make himself different again. He says, then wash my head and my hands and my whole body. <laughs> I'm different than these guys. I know some stuff that nobody else knows. I'm different from these people. Don't you see this? And Jesus is like, if you've had a bath, all you need is your feet to be washed. He's like, come on. You're like everybody else. Let me just wash the feet. At the end of uh, this night, Jesus says, or at the end of dinner, Jesus says, hey, um, all of you are going to fall away on that. This is not going to be a great time for you. You're all going to fall away. And Peter says, even if all of them fall away, I declare I will never fall away, Jesus. <laughs> if it's a competition of who will make it to the finish line with you, even if it's only one, then in the wise words of the social philosophers in sync, it's going to be me. <laughs> because the mind of a person and the heart of a person who won't clothe themselves with humility, and I know this from personal experience, as recently as last night, is I know some stuff. I'm different than everybody else, and I will win. I know some stuff. I'm different than everybody, and I will win. There is a thing that Peter wanted, and I can't hate on him for it because it's a thing that I want, and I think if we're honest, it's a thing that everybody wants, which is this. I want to be seen and valued for the unique me that I bring into the world. Amen? Yeah. I want people to see it. I want people to get it. And I want people to praise it. And if I don't get that, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to force it. And so, I might find a way to become the star of every moment. I might find a way to become the hero of every story that I tell. And if I am too shy or too afraid to do that, then I might just resent everybody else in my life. Um, this is a thing I think that everybody wants, which is the unique thing that makes me, me. I want people to see it. I want people to understand it. And I want to be valued and cared about because of it. I want that thing. And I think that's why we talk about people the way that we do. I think that's why we ask kids, like, okay, like, what's your thing? Like, what's your sport? Or what's your hobby? Or what's your talent? And, and some of that comes from a good place of, like, we want to celebrate people for the things that they do and make them feel like, yeah, I think you're awesome, and I think the things you do are so cool. But there's a problem in, embedded in all of that. And some of you have lived it personally, and some of you have seen your kids live through it, which is when people start to identify you based on the thing that you do, whether that's your talent or your hobby or your sport or whatever, what happens when you get hurt? What happens when you fail? What happens when you quit? Are we allowed to quit? Are we allowed to fail? Are we allowed to get hurt? And when we focus everything we are on the thing that we do, the unique thing that I know, that I win, that I am, that nobody else is, that is a very precarious high wire that we're on. It's a place where you can get hurt really easily. You're going to stub your toe on that pretty much every time. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about that thing. To me, it feels like hiking rugged terrain in like your fanciest little shoes. Which, I actually, we, a year ago, most of you guys know this, a year ago in December, we got this big old hound dog from the shelter. 
Her name's Yoshi. She's awesome. She's a pretty girl. And we realized, like, this big dog needs a lot of exercise. And we've got this beautiful green belt right over there on the other side of those trees. And so, you know, one of us is going to have to take that dog and just let her tear through the woods and run and jump and leap and the whole thing. And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be fun. But, like, all I had were my little tennis shoes. And if you know me, you know I love little cool tennis shoes. Like, cool designs, cool lines, cool all the things. I just like little cool tennis shoes. And I'm hiking through the green belt in these little tennis shoes, and I turned my ankle, I got my feet soaked, and I stubbed all my toes. And I was like, this sucks. Like, that's a fragile freaking, you don't hike rugged terrain in cute little tennis shoes. Now, if you want to look cool, you wear cool little tennis shoes. If you want people to be like, I like them shoes, you're like, hey, you do. And you're wearing cute little tennis shoes. But you can't hike in that stuff. And so I had to get online, and, and I tried to search, like, the lightest weight, coolest looking hiking shoes. And the computer was like, does not compute. <laughs> they're not lightweight, they're not cute. They're not cool. They're just clunky and rugged, and they're made so that you don't turn your ankle, you don't get your socks wet, and you don't stub your toes. And I bought big, heavy, clunky hiking boots. I feel like clothing yourselves with humility is like putting on your hiking boots. This is gonna be rough walking today. There's a lot of potential to get hurt. And so I'm going to put my hiking boots on. What that means is I don't need to force the issue of everybody thinking I'm awesome and unique and special and like, find, like everybody seeing and getting and praising the uniqueness of me. I don't have to do that. I can put other people forward. I don't have to be the hero of every story. I don't have to be the star of every room. I don't have to resent people in my heart. I can let other people shine. And I think Peter learned this. And the reason I want to hear this from him is at some point, old man Peter, writing the book of 1 Peter, he learned this. And I think he learned it because he went to a school that Jesus was teaching. He watched Jesus humble himself. He watched God Almighty in the flesh be a servant. Take his clothes off. Wash people's feet. Put other people forward. Serve people all the time. And the question in Jesus' school is, you're going to be humbled. Do you want to do this the hard way or the happy way? Let me break that down for a second. On that night where Jesus was washing everybody's feet, and that time where, you know, where Peter said, even if everybody else leaves you, I never will. And Jesus said, my man, three times before the sun comes up, you're actually going to deny that you even know me. So, you know, back that up. On that night, after Jesus washed all their feet, he said this thing, which was, now that you know these things, now that you've seen me, your master, humbling myself before you, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you what? You will be blessed if you do. If you do this, you will be blessed. We've talked about this before, but the word blessed doesn't mean like, you know, prosperous and I'm going to be, I'm going to have all the money and the bills are going to be paid and I'm going to, you know, no hard situations. No, it doesn't mean that. The word blessed means happy. Now that you know this, you'll be blessed, you'll be happy if you do this. You see, Jesus coming here and humbling himself, you know, stripping off his rights and privileges as God and serving other people and letting the spotlight shine on them and all that stuff. It wasn't because he was just trying to be pious and holy and an example. It was because Jesus wanted to be happy. And he knows that there's only one way to get it, and that is to humble yourself. If you humble yourself, 
you will enter into a new kind of happiness. Now stay with me because I'm going to break down what that is. The new kind of happiness that comes from going ahead and humbling yourself is this. That thing that you want down deep in your heart. That thing you want which is I want to be known for who I am. I want to be seen and understood and, and, and cared about and valued for the unique me that I am. And if I don't get it, I'll force it. Well, if you don't force it, if you humble yourself, then you will have a secret, which is you will have a secret relationship with the invisible one who knows you, who sees you, who loves all the individual unique stuff about you. And you guys have a secret little party and relationship the whole time. It's why Jesus did it. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Over and over and over again, he says, when you give, give in secret, because your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, pray in secret, because your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. There is an invisible one who sees all the secrets, and he's begging you to keep some with him. As Tom says sometimes, if you're always opening the oven door, it won't stay hot. There is a secret, and the secret is, if you will go ahead and humble yourself, you will have a secret friendship with the invisible one who sees you, gets you, and values who you are. There's this really cool thing that Peter says, connected to all this, in these verses. He said, he said, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility, because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. He says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that he might raise you up at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. This is really, really cool, so stay with me. When it says, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, the, in the original language, the word anxiety and the word care are the exact same word. Cast all your cares on him because he cares about you. Or you can read it this way. Cast all your worries on him because he worries about you. Cast all your anxiety on, on him because he's like anxious about you. He's watching you. He's caring about you. That word is the same word that's used over in Mark chapter 12 when some guys were testing Jesus about whether or not you should pay taxes to Caesar. And they said to Jesus, we know that you're a man of integrity because you don't care how fancy or famous anybody is. Like you give no thought to who people are, you know, because of what they do that they think makes them so awesome. So we know that you're a man of integrity. That word where they said, we know that you give, like you don't care who somebody is based on their stuff. That's the exact same word. You don't care what makes people fancy or famous. You give no thought to it, Jesus. We know you're a man of integrity because you don't care anything about that stuff. Peter said, but he does care about He doesn't care about anything that makes people fancy or famous. The stuff they do, their hobbies, their sports, their whatever, their gifts, their, their winning, their knowing, their whatever it is. He doesn't care about any of that stuff, but he does care about what if, what if I believe that all the way That he knows me. That he gets me. That he loves me. That he cares about me. It would change the way I pray. It would change the way I see everybody else. It would change the way I celebrate you. It would change the way that I celebrate myself. Because it's not about all the stuff that we accomplish or know or win or anything like that, is it? It's just us. I'm just his beloved. So I can just relax in that. And I can make myself low and put you forward. And then he and I get to have this secret. And the secret is, I don't need anybody else to become amazing. Because he cares about me. He sees me. He 
gets me, he loves me, he cares about me. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for a sweet truth. And I pray that you would give us, give us the faith in that truth so that we could relax, so that we don't have to force the issue, that we could learn humility the happy way and not the hard way. That this week, we can decide, I'm going to have a week of secrets. I don't need to be the star of every room. I don't need to be the hero of every story. I don't need to resent anybody in my heart. Mm -hmm. I can let everybody else have the stage. I can listen more. I can ask more questions. And I can celebrate well. Because I'm just the one that you love. And you love me uniquely for me. And you see me and you get me. And that's our little secret. And I pray, Lord, you would help us to believe that so much this week that we could give up and find out.